so today we are wrapping up our series entitled Next Step. And today I want to share. So during this series, we, we started off with a, a passage from Ephesians. And the last passage in Ephesians 6 that we talked about was putting on the full armor of God. And I told you God or I told you Satan was going to attack, didn't I? And I can tell you that he came at us. And he's been coming at us and he'll continue to come at us. So what we have to do is we have to be prepared for that. We have to be prepared for what's going to come at us to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. And so with that, we need to put on the full armor of God and be prepared. If you don't know where we're talking about, go to Ephesians 6. And it's right there um, in the latter part of that passage that you guys can read that. that. The next thing we talked about is participate. And as, as a church body, we need everyone to participate in order for us to be a healthy church we need to y'all got to say it louder thank you participate which means that you do what god's called you to do and that you walk that out in your life so go to romans 12 and we talked about how god has called each of us in the church body to be a part of that body and to participate in order for us to function in a healthy way as a church body the next one is we said we are going to pursue what God calls us. We are going to continue to be a church that takes next steps and take that next step and pursue what he has for us. And we looked at the story of Nehemiah in the first part, four chapters of that, past, of that book and how Nehemiah was stirred by God. And because he was stirred by God, he pursued what God had for him. And he didn't let distractions and he didn't let all this other stuff Get him, keep him from pursuing what God had as he rebuilt the wall and brought about security and a sense of restoring uh, Jerusalem at that time. And so as a church, we're going to pursue what God has for us. Last week, we looked, at, we looked at Mark 9. We looked at a passage where a little boy was, was possessed and how uh, this, this father of this little boy was struggling with his faith. And he, and he goes and he asks Jesus, if you can heal him, will you? And Jesus said, why do you have to ask if, you know, you can, you, you just believe and, and then your belief will bring about his healing. And, and the dad admitted, he goes, will you help me in my unbelief? I believe. And so a part of our faith journey is sometimes we just have to get to a point where we don't see the outcome and we don't see what's going to happen. We just simply need to believe that God is who he says he is and trust that he is going to bring about healing the way he brings about healing. And he's going to restore the way he restores. And he's going to do exactly what God does because his will is perfect and his will is exactly what we need. And we just need to believe that he is who he says he is. And today we get to Mark 14. Uh, three to nine, if you want to go to there in your Bible, feel free and follow along as I share the story with you. So Jesus was coming to the end of his uh, to the end of his days, and he was getting ready to go to the cross, and he was having a supper with his disciples, and they were eating and they were talking and they were sitting around, and there there was this meal that was being prepared, and they were they was laying back and and this lady this this lady that had um that loved Jesus. She had a, a heart for Jesus, and she just cared about Jesus. She went and she grabbed something, a jar uh, of alabaster, and she grabs this jar of, of an ointment of pure nard, and this ointment that she had was used a lot of times for burial cases, burial situations where they would anoint the body. But not only did this jar have a specific piece, but it, when it broke, when it was broken, when you break it open, the aroma would fill the room. 
and it would fill the area that, that it was in. And, and so this lady, Mary, went over to Jesus, and, and she did this. She took it, and she broke, broke the jar. And not only that, but this jar was of value. This jar was, they said, worth about 300 denarii. And this 300 is denarii, that, that's, that's, think about this, that's 300 days worth of a wage. So guess what? That was very expensive. It had value. And so she went and she broke this jar open and she went over to Jesus and she anointed him. She poured it over him. And she let it and let it flow over Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, what are you doing, woman? Why are you pouring this on me? But you know what happened? The disciples and people around him looked at her and said, why are you doing that? You're wasting it. That, that could have been sold. If you're going to do this, that could have been sold. And when you sell it, we could have used that money to help the poor out. Why are you doing this? And Jesus looked at him and says, why, why are you getting on her? Why are you, why are you like, causing this issue? What, what is your, basically, here's what I see. He goes, what is your problem? My dad used to say that to me a lot. I just think Jesus said that to some people sometimes. What is your problem? I was a problem. You're right. I was very much justified in that. So anyway, so we're sitting there, and, and, I, and, and so I could just picture and say, man, what is your problem? Look at what she's doing. You'll always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. What she has done is something beautiful. What she has done is something amazing. What she has done and blessed me in this way. Why are you, what, what is going, what, what, there's something wrong here. Then he goes even further and he says this. What she has done will be shared along with the gospel message. The gospel, the good news. What she has done here will carry on with the good news of salvation, of what Jesus did. And in this passage, we get a look at what it means to pour out. And here's my prayer as a church. My prayer as a church is we will always be a church body that pours out. We will not be a church that hoards. We will not be a church that stores up. We will be a church that pours out. What God provides, we will pour out. What God blesses us with, we need to pour out. It's interesting, our, our um, be the church team who's led by Dale and Cindy. Uh, I, I love giving Cindy a hard time because she likes to uh, send me emails asking me if we can do certain things. And, and my response is, you, I, got, I got creative this week. I sent her three emojis because she, she, she asked this question. And here's what that Thanksgiving thing coming up. She goes, hey, we have an opportunity to bless some kids at Boyd this year. And last year we did 20 family, 25 families. 20 at McCormick. So last year for Thanksgiving, we provided 20 uh, Thanksgiving meals for kids that come to McCormick and their family. And so we have a relationship with Boydy Smith now. And so we're actually going to start taking some families from Boydy Smith on this week or this year as well, which I'm pretty pumped about. And so, so Cindy sends me this email. She goes, well, how many do you think we should do or commit to? And so I send her the emoji with the little question like, you know, what's this one? This one. And then I send her one with a big smile and one with the angel, which means um, don't ask me this because I'm going to tell you to cover it all. 
See, we have a budget in our Be the Church that you guys give to. Our budget, y'all provide, y'all generously give to. And there's a, there's a set amount of money there. And Dale goes, he looks at me this week at an elder meeting, and he goes, Chad, you just want to go broke into 2020, don't you? And just to be clear, I don't want to go broke into 2020. I said, but I want that Be the Church budget gone. Why? Because I want to be a church that pours out. I want to be a church that pours out into our community. I want to be a church that continues to receive from the Lord so that we pour out. If we don't pour out and just do this, guess what? He stops pouring. We got to pour out. Have to. And so even this, so next week, Dale and Cindy are looking to build their team. Next week, they're, they're wanting to build this team that's going to be a, a big part of 2020 and us pouring out. And so next week, right after the service, right in that room right there, they're going to, anybody that wants to be a part of this team or join them on this particular piece of what it looks like in any capacity or whatever, you're going to get to go over there and hang out with them and, and be a part of what's going on and just kind of bring some ideas and freshness to this team. And so I'd encourage you to do that. If you can't make it that week, just go ahead and fill out a card and let us know you want to, and we can get that to them as well. So we're going to be a church that pours out. Here's the way I see it is this lady was, she, she saved. Like she, she busted her tail and she saved for to be able to buy this particular jar that was worth a lot of money to her. Some of some people said, well, is really that amount? To her, that was, that was very valuable. And here's what I believe that happened out of it. She broke it up and she poured it out on Jesus. The blessing she received that from that was far more valuable than that jar that she broke open and poured out. And I believe that in God's economy, that unless we're willing to pour out, He cannot refill. See, so many times we get caught up in this piece where it becomes all about us, and that's not how God works. We have to be pouring out. So we will be a church that pours out. So here's what, here's what I know to be true. The first thing I know to be true is this. Pouring out is a next step response to God stirring in my life. When God stirs in my life, I have to pour out. It has to be, it has to be that peace. It's my response to what He's doing in my heart. If I'm not responding to that, if I, if I go cold to what He's doing, if I go cold to that stirring, then what happens is, is I start to question whether God is real. I start to question whether He's real in my life and whether He wants to work. But the reality of it is, is God's always stirring. The question is not His stirring. The question is always my response. And so pouring out is, is a next step response to God stirring in my life. Verse 3 in that passage I just read from you says this, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now this woman is believed, if you look in the other passages, that this, this, this particular story goes in, and you can go check them out. They're in Matthew 26, 6 to 13, John 12, 1 to 8, and Luke 7, 37 to 39. And I know you wrote that down because I said it so quickly. Um, but you, they're there in Matthew, John, and Luke. And they parallel with this. And they're from different perspectives and different viewpoints. But in one of these passages, in one of these books, it talks about this. That who it was was Mary. 
the, the sister of Lazarus and what happened with Lazarus. He was, and he was raised. Not only that, but Mary, and there's a great story about Mary and Martha. And Mary was, Martha was the one that did what? Worked. And Mary was the one that sat at Jesus' feet and listened. Now I want you to get a picture of this woman. She's had a, her life changed by Jesus. The brother that she thought was dead was raised. The brother that she thought was dead, believed to be dead, was raised from the dead. Not only that, but she loved Jesus so much that she would go and sit at his feet and, and, and sit there and learn and soak in who he is. She wouldn't get caught up in doing and doing and doing. She got caught up in being and being with Jesus. And sometimes we need to get caught up in just being with Jesus rather than doing for Jesus. And sometimes when we get to this point where we feel like we're doing so much, maybe we need to step back and just be with Jesus. And so Mary was a woman that would just be with Jesus and she would sit with Jesus and she was stirred by Jesus and she loved Jesus so much that her response was this. Her response was, I'm going to give something valuable of what I consider valuable and she breaks it and pours it right over Jesus' head. See, pouring out is our next step response to God's stirring in my life. Another way we could look at it is this way. When we allow the love of Jesus to penetrate our hearts and to overwhelm us and to actually we start to believe that Jesus' love for us is real, here's what happens in 1 John four nineteen to 21. See, we love, we love, we pour out, we love because He first did what? If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his. We've got to be willing to pour out and love each other. We've got to be willing to pour out and love those around us. See, when we're stirred by the love of God, nothing can keep us back. When we're stirred by the love of God and we actually receive what He has for us and, and what He has in store for us and, and we actually experience how much He loves us, then our natural response is to, to love those around us. That's what He's called us to do. And so I see it as this, as He's pouring into me and I need to be pouring into others. He's pouring into me, and I need to pour into others. So here's what pouring out will lead to. Pouring out will lead to a life, one, that influences others. Pouring out will lead to a life that influences others. If we look in this passage in Mark uh, 14, 4 and 5, it reads this. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Now I want you to, do you ever notice that people are either influenced positively or negatively? People are either influenced positively or negatively. The way we influence somebody is within our control. The way they respond to that influence is within their control. But so many times we get messed up and we start thinking, well, I should, my influence should be lifting them up positively. But in this story, we hear this. 
we see this. As that, that perfume was poured, as that jar was poured over Jesus' head, this, this aroma feel, filled the room. The people around her, the disciples around her, were influenced by that aroma. They could smell it. They could see this act going on. And they had an opportunity to do two things. They had an opportunity to just sit there and experience that particular act of love. Or they did what they did and they did this. They scolded her. When we pour out for Jesus, there will be people that walk with us and there will be people that scold us. There will be people that we try to influence that will receive it. And there will be people that we try to influence or we attempt to influence that will reject it. That is not within our control. What is in our control is whether we choose to pour out. Whether we choose to make that step of faith and pour out. In Matthew 5.16 it says this. In the same way... Let your light shine before others so that they may see your and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Notice what he says here. The biggest thing that is the most important thing is this, is that they see our good works. Or light. Thank you, David. That's great. That's the piece that that's the piece we have to come back to is that when we're pouring out, pouring out will lead to a life that influences others. And the question I have for us today is what does our life look like and how are we pouring out to those around us? And not, let's not worry about whether somebody else likes or dislikes what we do. Let's worry about whether we respond to God's stirring in our life. And do what he's called us to do. And that's pour out. Pouring out, second thing in this is pouring out will lead to a life that avoids regret. Anybody ever regret anything in here? Yeah? Do we want to start a list? I can bring out a whiteboard and we just write them all out. We can, I'll tell the principal they won't have school tomorrow. Just let them. Right? We all, we, we all have regrets. You, you ever... You ever get to a point where you just stop, you start to ignore the regrets? They don't like, they don't impact you as much. And you become so cold-hearted towards God stirring in your life that whether you regret something or not doesn't matter to you. Because it just becomes all about you and what you want. And so what happens is this, is when I, when pouring out will lead to a life that avoids regret is here's what I believe is this is so many times when I become me focused and it becomes all about what I want and what my heart wants and it becomes about me and I become internally focused and I start hoarding on and I start grabbing hold of things and and I start trying to hold on to something that wasn't meant for me to hold on to but it was meant for me to pour out See, then when I hold on, the regrets come. The regrets happen. When I pour out, the regrets don't happen. 
I avoid them. And see, here's what I believe in all of our lives. God has stirred in our lives to do something. Whether it's to go on a mission trip, whether it's to bless somebody with something, whether it's to act in kindness, whether it's to do something of some sort for someone else, or to simply respond to Jesus is stirring our life and offer worship to a God that loves us. There's something in our lives, some the majority of the time, that we can look at and say, you know what, I regret not doing this for Jesus. I regret holding back when I should not have held back. I regret not stepping out in faith. I regret whatever it is. We have these regrets. See, what I'm learning is this, is that as I continue to pour out, as I continue to pour out my life, do you realize that I don't regret that much anymore? The more I pour out to my family, the more I pour out to my church, the more I pour out to my community, there are no regrets. The story that's very interesting to me is, remember we did the Be the Light weekend a few weekends ago, right? Beginning of, end of September. It was a very busy weekend for Julie and I. From Friday to Saturday and all the things that were going, very busy weekend. And I don't regret a minute of getting to hang out with people. I don't regret a minute of setting up bounce houses. Don't regret a second of that time that I gave. I don't even regret walking into Bigby Coffee to pay a bill that I thought was $5,000 when it was really only 500 And even when they said five, when I thought he said 5000 there was no flinch. Pour out. Pour out. And you avoid regret. Here's what we see in verse, in verse 6 and 8. And I love this because this is the response of our Savior. While everyone else is, is, is coming down hard on her, while everyone else is trying to tell her what she did was wrong, while everyone else is trying to tell her that um, she messed up, here's our Savior's response to her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. In the Chadrick's paraphrase, what's wrong with you? It goes on and says, for you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She, in verse 8, here's the key. She has done what she I circled that, starred it, highlighted it. Here's what Jesus saw in this act. Jesus didn't see what she couldn't do. Jesus didn't see what what he thought what others thought she should do. Jesus didn't see like the potential. Jesus didn't see any of this other stuff that we tend to attack. Uh, to tie on to what God's calling us to do or what we think other people. She, he didn't do that. What, like, he didn't say, well, you could have done better. He didn't say, really, this, poor, this little jar, you could have done for 600. Right? I'm the Savior of the world. This is all I got. He didn't say any of that. But see, in our mind, we think this way sometimes. We get into, well, this is... And here's what I love about what Jesus said, and He says it to us too. She did what she could. 
did what she could. See, when we do what we can, and we do just that, it honors our Savior. It glorifies Him. And He loves it when we do what we can. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial, is how He ended it. And see, I don't even know that during this piece whether any of them really knew what was coming. But in this act, all she did was she did what she could. And she avoided a regret of not pouring out for her Savior. In verse 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12, it reads this. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I love this passage because of this. It says pursue, but it goes on to this. It says fight the good fight of faith. It doesn't say give up. It says to fight. And so as we pour out, as we continue to do what it comes to, there are some days when we're going to be able to give more, and there's other days when we're not going to be able to give as much. There's going to be other days when we pour out a lot. There's going to be other days and seasons where we don't pour as much. And the biggest question I have for us is this, is as I pour out, a life of pouring out will lead to avoiding regrets. My question is, is can I always answer this question the way it needs to be answered? Am I giving what I can? Lastly, it reads this. Or pouring out, last one is this. Pouring out will lead to a life that impacts the next generation. Verse 9 says this. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And here's how I see it. We get so caught up in the here and now, don't we? We get so caught up in our own lives and we get caught up in what we're doing here. We get caught up in what's going on in our world. And so many times we forget that the way I pour out not only influences others, but the way I pour out not only avoids regrets in my life, but the way I pour out has the, the potential to impact generations to come. It has the potential to impact my kids. It has the potential to impact their kids. It has the potential to impact their kids. My, my line and my family go back generations of, of men that love Jesus. Men that love Jesus and their wives that love them too. And the generational impact that continues to flow is when I pray over my kids every day. See, the way we pour out with McCormick and Boyd and the rest of Miami Township, Milford area, the way has the potential to impact generation after generation after generation. See, this, what this woman did did just not end in that room with Jesus and the disciples. Jesus said, listen, what you just did is going to be shared every time the gospel message is shared. He goes on to say, listen, this story is going to go on to impact more and more people. 
And my prayer is that the way we pour out has a generational impact in our world, in our lives. My dream, my dream is that my boys and my daughter grow up to love Jesus. My dream is that my son say, Dad, it's time for you to step down. We're stepping in. I want to see my daughter leading out in some way. These are the things that I want to see from my kids. And I want them to raise their kids with a love for Jesus like no other. And I want them to see that when they pour out, somebody else is a God continues to pour into them and that they won't hold on to what they have but they will continue to pour out generation after generation until Jesus comes back Psalm 78 4 to 7 says this we will not hide them from their children and what he's talking about the psalmist is talking about is we will not hide the wonderful things that God has done in our lives we will not hide them from their children But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. And His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and arise, and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God. Let's go back. Ready? So that they should set their hope in and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. We have a generation that puts their hope in so much. And my prayer is that we would be a church that pours out so that they know they can put their hope in Jesus. One of the things that, that I, is very clear to me in our world today, they like my penguin bag. Very, it's very awesome, and, and so I love it. Actually, I just snagged it from something in the back. Um, do you know that there are promises that God makes to each of us? There are promises that God says who we are. And so I'm going to use golf balls to represent these promises. By the way, these were free from my father-in-law. Great. Here's a, here's a promise. You Ready? I'm a new creature. I'm forgiven. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. I'm blessed. This may go easier. I'm accepted. I'm strong. I'm victorious. I'm loved. I'm set free. I am called of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an ambassador. I'm an heir with him. 
He wants to be reconciled to me. I am healed by His wounds. I am complete. I have everlasting life in Him. I am chosen. I am firmly rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. His promises go on and on. I have access to my Father. I have received the power of the Holy Spirit. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. These are His promises and much, much more. They have weight. They carry something with it. And they exist in today's world. They've been spoken. They've been written down. And they are true and they are faithful and trustworthy. The problem is this. As we live in a world where things are pretty and colorful, but they're lies. We live in a world where lies are told to us every day. We live in a world where a lot of times our lies lies overpower God's truth. And they build up and they build up and they overwhelm us. This is the world we live in where God's truth exists. And lies tend to overpower us. And we have a God who has called us to pour out. And some of you are saying, Chad, but my cup is small and I don't have much to pour out. And the reality of it is, is it doesn't matter how small your cup is. The question is, will you pour it out? Because that's what he's asked us to do. Some of you are saying today, but Chad, my life is full of emotions, happy, sad, just like my emoji cup here. And all you have is your emotions and all you have is your world of chaos. And all you have right now is a world where you're struggling. And all Jesus is asking you to do is to pour out. Some of you are like, Chad, my life's pretty simple. I don't have much. I drink out of a Dixie cup, a red one at that. But this is what you've been given, and this is what God has handed you, and all he's asking you to do is to pour out. Some of you are so guarded, and you you feel like you're the man of steel, like you're Superman. And so you put on a front of pride, and you put on a front of you've got it all together, and all Jesus is saying is stop, just pour out. Some of you are so bottled up and you don't want to let anything out. And so you got this stuff stuck in and all Jesus is saying is un- unleash the cap and pour out. And when we feel like we're not enough and we've poured out, Jesus comes along with more than enough. And he pours out. And when he pours out, he gives us more than enough. 
that it overflows. And there's still more in the jar. As a church, as a church, he's called us to pour out. Not just for us, but for the kids back here. For their kids. And he's always got enough to pour in. And he never runs out. So whether you have a little cup, he's giving you a little cup for a reason. Pour it out. Whether you're a basket case, pour it out. Whether you like drinking out of a Dixie cup, pour it out. Put the pride down. Pour it out. Unleash the cap and watch what he does as you pour out. Because he's always got enough. And then some. Today we invited the kids into the service because here's what we're doing as a church family. Today we're taking a next step of faith. And I've asked you guys to be a part of our commitment Sunday. This time we're going to say this. We're going to take a next step of faith and start saving for a future home. And as we pour out what God has given us, I want our kids to be a part of it. Julie and I were talking. I was having this conversation with in the car. We were chatting about this the other day. And one of the things that I was just sitting there sharing with the kids about what we're doing and all this, and just so you know, as a, as, a, as a dad and as a pastor, sometimes the way I communicate to my kids goes right over their head. And so I'm in the middle of sharing the, the, their kids about what God's doing and about the step of faith we're, we're going to take as a church and as a family, because this impacts them as well. This impacts their world as well, because it's just not mom and dad committing to something. It's us as a family. And what's interesting about it is I was sharing with him, and my son, little Chad, goes, Dad, I'm confused. What are you talking about? And so I got to come back, and we got to have this conversation that we're not making a commitment, just Julie and I. We're making a commitment as a family to say, here's what God's called us. Here's what God's stirring us to give towards a future home at Light Point. Why? Because I want Light Point to be around for generations. I want us to take a step of faith, and I want to see God move generation after generation after generation. As we pour out, and the lies leave, and His truth stays, my prayer is that we will pour out into our church family, we will pour out into our community, where His truths are revealed, His promises are revealed, and the lies just fall away. Will you pray with me? Father God, I love you and I thank you for today. I thank you that you're a God that pours into us, Lord. That you're a God that has more than enough for our lives. Lord, that you've called us to simply pour out what we have. To step out in obedience and faith. And Lord, as we do that, I pray, Father, that you would move, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored in this, Lord. That we would not hold back that we would not live a life of regret, but, Father, we would simply pour out what you've called us to and no more. That we wouldn't question whether our cup's big enough or whether we're pouring out enough. Lord, that's not the question you're asking us to answer. The question you're asking us to answer is this. Will we respond to the stirring that you put in our hearts and exactly what you've asked us to do and no more? Because, Father, as we pour out, as an individual and as a family and as a church family. 
Lord, you have more than enough to fill us. You have more than enough to reveal your truths in our lives, and that's what I pray. Father God, may you be glorified in what we commit to do in this next step. And Lord, as we pour out, Lord, may we trust you to be the one that pours in. And that has more than enough. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. That the band, the team's going to sing. And so the communion tables are open and the offering bins are open. And, and so here's, as we take this time to commit, I'm going to ask that you just respond how God leads. Take your family over and, and take communion together and pray. Pray for our church. Pray for your family. And then as you're ready, as you're done taking communion, walk over and offer your commitment to the Lord. Pour out. And here's my promise to you. I don't care about the cup you've been given. It's not about that. As your pastor, I care about whether you respond to God's stirring. So it doesn't matter the size of your cup. It matters whether you allow God to stir and whether you respond to his stirring. She did what she could. And it glorified our Savior. You respond how God leads. So stand with us. Let's sing. Your kids will be in the back, so feel free to go grab your kids as you respond to what God's doing in your hearts.